Hello, everybody. Happy Monday, and welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie here with, and I'm Emily. And today we are going to recap Yellow Jackets episode two hundred eight. It chooses. Uh, last night we had a chance to speak with Maya Lowe and Jenna Burgess on the Hive After Dark, which was a lot of fun. If you did not catch it, definitely go watch. We had a lot of fun, a lot of Genesa action there, Genesa action. Um, so that was a good time. And we are going to keep the good times rolling. Today we have a very special guest and friend of the podcast, Kelly McClure, Nights and Weekends editor for Salon. Hey, Kelly. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, we're great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been fun getting to know each other over the last few months and connect all about Yellow Jackets. So we yeah. appreciate your journalistic expertise here today as we are going to interview our special guest, Nia Sandaya, who plays Akila. Hey, Nia. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Of yeah. course. Um, have you been getting a lot of people reaching out to you after this last episode? Um, I would say not any more than other weeks, but I have been seeing a lot of like people sad about Nugget, obviously. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of people commenting about Nugget and asking just about him and the, the big reveal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, before we get started with questions, uh, we do something called Yellow Jackets Would You Rather. We're mm -hmm. going to give you two options, and you're just going to pick the one you think would be your best option. Okay. Uh, Emily, why don't you Would You Rather? So would you rather take a beating from Shauna or take your chances drawing a card? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm going to go with this sounds crazy, but I would take my chances pulling the card. Really? <laughs> I just feel like Shauna is terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And I have, yeah. A chance of, I have a chance of not, you know, getting the card. <laughs> and I would guarantee be getting a good beating from Shauna. So I choose taking my chances with the card. <laughs> All right. All right. Kelly, how about you? What, what would you do? Probably the same. I mean, Shauna does not mess around. You know, we've seen her and just how quick she is to uh, be called to action. Um, so card, definitely. You've got you've got a fighting chance. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, all right. There we go. I think I would probably do the same. I mean, she is definitely fierce. So yeah. We all take our chances with things. Well, um, let's dive into some questions. Um, Kelly mm -hmm. was nice enough to come up with a bunch of them for today. Thank you, Kelly, for that. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So um, a few months ago, I had the opportunity to speak with Josh Ropike, one of the Yellow Jackets casting directors. Um, we spoke prior to the start of season two, and he mentioned that you were lined up to take over the role of Akila. And also cast for Truth Be Told by uh, the same agency that Josh worked at. Kind of, it seemed like, in close proximity. So I was wondering, when going from one role to the other, when roles intersect in terms of like prep time and scheduling, how do you clear mental space for characters, especially when they're like kind of particularly dark subject matter? Right. That's a great question. And both roles were, were pretty dark. Um, yeah. So. Luckily for me, these didn't run into each other so much. Okay. So I had I had booked and filmed and wrapped all of Truth Be Told 
maybe I would say like four or five months prior to even auditioning for Yellow Jackets, but the but casting were still they were in contact with each other, which is mm-hmm. how they kind of knew about me from that and was able to kind of uh, jump me over to Yellow Jackets or recommend me to them. But I, I did have some good time in between and I'd even worked on like a really like light fun commercial in between the two projects. So it was nice to have a little break in between. Um, but going from one project that's pretty heavy to another project that's pretty heavy is just, um, you want to do the material. You want to do really good like stories, things that like deserve to be told. So you don't want to shy away from doing the material, but it is important to like, um, take your mental health into account and to just be on top of, you know, your self care and doing things that make you happy in between and just like finding moments to rest and find lighter moments. Like not everything has to be so stressful. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself in those moments. Um, so there's just a lot of that, just like being kind to myself while doing both of these roles. Cause um, yeah, truth be told was very heavy as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. It sure was. It sure was. Now, taking over for Kia King in season two, what ideas did you have in terms of embodying that character of Akila, or was there a goal to mirror what had already been established in season one? Right. Um, so I remember watching season one and really studying Kia's performance, and I loved what she did with the role. I think that Akila finds a, like, a lot of really beautiful moments in the first season where she's so quiet, but you can tell that she's strong, like she's brave. Yeah. Um, she will step up when she has to, and she's going to help out. She's going to be a good friend, and she's going to find these moments to... I wouldn't say she's not necessarily in the leader position but she has these like ideas that I think that a leader would possess to be so sorry there we go um and I just feel like she has these these moments where she knows how to she she knows things I would say that she like pays attention she knows like the like she knows which berries you can eat she knows certain first aid tricks like and so I feel like um Kia found really beautiful moments to kind of step up and show that Akila is strong and she's brave, even though she's innocent and she's quiet. And so for me in this season, I thought that it was really important to find the moments where Akila wasn't so afraid to actually speak up and to insert herself in the dynamic amongst these girls that are already established and have these relationships and these strong personalities. I felt like it was important that after so much time out here in the wilderness, that she would feel comfortable enough and feel strong enough to speak up and to start, you know, really getting her opinions out there and start sharing her ideas with the rest of the girls. And I found moments this season where she was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. You've you've done a great job. You're absolutely crushing Mm -hmm. it out there. (laughs) Yeah. So one big moment in this episode focused on Akila and Nugget, obviously. <laughs> At one point in season two of filming, were you did you find out that Nugget wasn't alive? Um, I knew from the very beginning. They okay. kind of brought they brought the idea to me. They said, Hey Mia, we were wondering, how comfortable are you with rodents? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't really thought about it before, but I think I think I can be okay with them. And they were like, okay, so here's the deal. 
We think Akilah's going to have like a, a pet mouse or, or like a pet rat that she's going to find. And that's going to kind of be her lifeline for the season. She's going to find a lot of hope in this mouse. She's going to want to take care of him, you know, keep him alive. And that's going to kind of be what keeps her, you know, alive and keeps her her head in it. And so, but they were like, but obviously he's not going to make it. And that's going to be kind of Akilah's breaking point. That's going to kind of be her losing her mind a bit. And so I knew from the beginning when the mouse was getting brought into the equation that he was not going to make it. Um, and then I think it was, it wasn't until maybe a week or two, maybe three weeks before we started filming eight that I actually found out that he was, Never. He's never going to be alive. He was okay. always a figment of my imagination. So that was pretty, it was really cool. I thought I liked that outcome better than it having died along the way. I liked right. that, you know, she had just kind of always been envisioning him being alive when really. Yeah. That's yeah. a real testament to the the hunger situation. I mean, everybody was yeah. starting to yeah. really manifest these symptoms and, and hallucinations. I mean, Mari with the blood on the walls, um, Ty seeing her reflection of her other self. So it just, yeah. like Van said, you know, it, it's the hunger. So that yeah. rang true with Nugget indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my. Okay. Well, I'll take this next one. Um, right. So- I learned from a recent interview that uh, you had originally auditioned for the role of Crystal, which yeah. I'm thinking now, knowing what we know, that must be um, a relief because your <laughs> character didn't die right away. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and Crystal, Crystal is such a fun character who I think Mia yeah. plays so wonderfully. I think she yeah. just had all these really cool yes. ideas for her that I don't necessarily know I would have been able to pull off as well. Um, but that was the role that I originally auditioned for, for Yellow Jackets. It was um, for Crystal. And then a few weeks have gone by and then I got a call and they said, actually, they want you to recast someone. They want you to play Akila. And so I watched and I remember seeing and I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, I can definitely do that. I think I can, I can play Akila. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. How was it joining the cast uh, as, you know, an established cast and being welcomed? I mean, did everybody just welcome you with open arms? Who did you hit it off with right away? Who is your roommate? All that stuff. So very much so was everyone was really nice and welcoming. I was really like, it was very intimidating. I was so nervous going in just because I remember watching the show and thinking everyone was brilliant. And I was like, obviously there are this established group of friends by now. This was so like, nerve-wracking um but I got there and everyone was just immediately warm and really welcoming um I think I would say I immediately hit it off with with Samantha and Jasmine I remember Jasmine like we had like a zoom call with everyone on and Jasmine like messaged me and was like hey like just want to let you know like when we get to Vancouver we can hang out Jasmine was so sweet and same with Samantha the second I got to set Samantha was like hi I'm Sammy nice to meet you welcome um and and everyone was just really great I really enjoy working with Liv and Kevin and Alexa Jenna and Maya obviously Nuha and I got really close immediately because we um, were put in the same hotel. They put us, they put us both up at the same hotel. Mm-hmm. And so we would drive to and from set together. And that kind of became like our little time to just like chit chat and laugh all the time. So we would, like, get in the car and we would talk about the day, laugh and just have a good time. And Nuha and I became really close really fast. Um, but yeah, everyone was really great. And we kind of made a, a nice friend group pretty early on into the season. We talked to a couple of of the cast members, and they said that you guys were, like, super into playing board games, too. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah. That, um, uh, Jenna said that like you were actually quite competitive with some of the board games that you guys played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I may have ripped a card because <laughs> 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 exploding kittens is one of our favorite board games that we will play together, and it's like someone would have to like take your card if you put it down, and I didn't want someone to, I didn't want someone to take my diffuse card. It was a long story, and so I like pulled it back and I ripped the card. It got very intense very quickly. Um, I don't like losing and they are a, we're a very competitive group. I'd say <laughs> a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Nuha had told us Kevin was the most competitive. And then last yeah. night, Jenna said, well, you might want to ask Nia about it because you know, she's, she's pretty into it. <laughs> I would say, I would say me, Jenna and, and Kevin are all not so great when it comes to Oh, and that's really Samantha can also be pretty competitive. She's really good at almost every board game that we play. Yeah. Knew how I said that too. Yeah. Oh, that's really <laughs> funny. Um, one of Kelly's questions was that uh, some of the cast, Melanie Linsky mostly, had grabbed the writers and forced them to spill on the full arc of their character. How much do you know about what lies ahead for Akila? Oh, nothing. I know nothing. nothing. They, okay. tell, they tell me nothing. Um, I I don't know a lot um, in terms of Akila's future or what's happening with with her. Um, I think that a lot of things are still being developed and decided, and they're working things out in terms of like story. Um, and so, I think there's always there's always possibilities. There's a lot of hope. Um, but I, I have no clear idea of the story arc for Akila at all. I wish I knew, but I, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, I know. Ellen is saying, Nia brings Akila to the varsity. And you know what? We agree. You totally do. Yeah, you do. You're great. Thank you so much. So being that Yellow Jackets is such a spooky show, have there been any like creepy or like scary moments like on set behind the scenes? You know what? Not really. And everyone asks that like when you film like scary, scary things or things that are uncomfortable to watch while filming them, it doesn't feel that way only because it's like a set full of people who you know yeah. really well and in between takes people are lightening the mood by trying to crack a joke or two just to you know keep things light so it doesn't feel that way but I will say that a few moments where I was like I had like double take and it was like oh, jarring <laughs> um is the bodies like the like Nuha like they made like a, oh. a body double of Nuha and then same for uh Jackie's character Ella they had made you know, a body double of her, and they had left them out. There was, like, one week where one was just, like, it was just, like, out in the middle of the, <laughs> the like, walkway, and they just, like, had it underneath something, and I, like, walked past it, and then I doubled back, and I was, like, oh, my God. It looks like a, like a body. And so that's, like, those are, like, things that would happen on our set, like, you know, the body's just kind of hanging out, and Courtney walking by with all of her makeup on and the, like, fresh beat-up makeup. That was really jarring as well. Kind of freaked me out a bit. Um, so, like, little things like that. But for the most part, we, we did a good job of kind of making it feel light and comfortable in between the heavy takes. You know? Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Um, I'm going to go off script and ask a wild card question. Because uh, I'm personally curious, what was fake nugget made out of? 
<laughs> so the so the dead the dead nugget rest his heart um was it was like a little wax figure that they had made okay. um and they did a really wonderful job with it yeah he looks very yeah yeah it looks uh-huh. so real <laughs> did you actually put it in your mouth was that no, inside your mouth no but i but i got him like very close and then as soon as he was like up there i just went to yeah, from it. But it was yeah, a little like whack, like plastic wax figure. So it wasn't too bad or anything like that. Did you yeah. get to take Nugget home with you at the end of the day? Like a little I, Nugget souvenir? I didn't. I made sure to give Nugget back just in case. You never know what they may need him for later. Nugget flashbacks. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, all right. Uh, Kelly, you want to take the next question? Yeah, let's see. So it tends to be kind of a thing. Um, actors who aren't really fans of horror are often the best at playing horrific roles. So I'm curious, what was your relationship to horror prior to signing on? Are you a fan of it? Right, it's a great question. I'm not. And everyone in my family and my friend, my friend groups, they know that I'm not. I don't do the scary movies. I think, hmm. um, like, I have three rules. I don't do aliens. I don't do... Uh, <laughs> dinosaurs and I don't do like zombies anything that's like bigger than me anything that I feel like in real life I would not be able to fight off that I can't I cannot go watch like I can't it freaks me out really bad um and so with this for saving though it's none of those things it was I remember watching the first season and it was very difficult to watch um just really like triggering and and jarring and eerie and yeah yeah Yeah, all of that all of that but I remember thinking but I like couldn't stop watching either like it was really yep. difficult to watch but I was like oh my god like what is gonna happen next what are they gonna do and so I remember being so wrapped up in it that I was like okay I was like I can do this it's a really good story it's a story worth telling like yeah it's creepy and and it's really gonna freak me out in some moments but it's really cool it's a really really yeah cool um, do you um do you read any of like the fan theories at all oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I love laughs> reddit lurker our fans are really smart and some of them are like really onto things and then some are like have come up with things that I never even thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the fan theories a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, it is pretty incredible. We've got a a very smart fandom. The Reddit is just insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely insane. Um, did you have a favorite scene to film for season two? And then also along with that, which one was the most challenging for you? Right. Um, 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 I would probably say my favorite scene to shoot. Hmm. I really like the scene between me and Jasmine when we are washing the clothes. That just was like, it was a really light moment between the two of our characters. And it was fun to, to work with Jasmine that day and to film that kind of scene. But I would say... So, like, honorable mention for that scene, but my favorite scene overall to shoot was definitely uh, in the second episode when we were in the wilderness and having, like, the feast. That scene was so much fun. It was just, like, really cool to see everyone in their costumes and hair and makeup, and we got to have fun with the eating. It was just that that scene was awesome. It was almost, like, fairy tale dreamlike to film that. Um, So that was awesome. And then I would say probably the most challenging was the birth stuff. Um, yes. For multiple reasons, we we filmed that that stuff twice. We did it once, and then uh, there was like a mistake with the footage, and we had had some issues, and so we had to come back and reshoot. And so that was just, I would say, probably out of the season, that was probably the heaviest. 
um, the heaviest day that we had just because of the material and what Sophie had to go through and us having to watch Sophie go through it all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just was, it was incredibly heavy. And I think it was felt by everyone, not even just the cast, but crew as well. And you never know who's had certain situations in their life that could relate. And so it was just, there was like a overwhelming feeling of just like, like everyone just needed to be like careful for everyone. And um, we just were trying to be really mindful of what we were shooting. And yeah. so that was really difficult and heavy and sad, but also I would say like really fulfilling work when it was done. I was really proud of it. I think everyone was proud of the work they did. So yeah, those those are my my top, my favorite and my most difficult. All right. Yes. So how do you think that Akila feels about participating in this like wilderness roulette, like card game, one of us has to die? Akila hates this. Akila thinks that this is a terrible idea, but I think Akila understands that she's one out of, you know, 12 girls. And so she knows that it's, you know, it's useless to fight against it, but she's Mm -hmm. really against it. Akila's really against that. Um, But it's an eat or be eaten sort of a situation, and she knows that. And so I think that it became for her about keeping up and just not, she just didn't want to end up the one that gets eaten. So I think for right. at this point, it's just about like staying in everyone's good graces, keeping up with everyone else and, and trying to stay under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she yeah. doesn't, she doesn't like it at all. I think if there's anyone that's really against it, it's Akila. And she's the only one that like speaks up and says like, let's try to save Javi. Like I was yeah, just going to say that. Yeah. Falls in the water. Like she's like, we can still save him. And everybody else just stood there and was like watching. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It, that scene is so hard for me to watch. Um, and I, like I was there filming it, but watching it, I literally was like yelling at my TV. I was like, if they don't get him out of the water. <laughs> it's just so, oh, it's so hard to watch. It really gets yeah. me every time. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's it's disgusting. Um, all around. I just yeah, and Akila, yeah. Akila's very against it. Um, and I think she, honestly, I think she is scared of them too, ultimately. Oh yeah. And she's scared. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious, I know we're getting close to time, but um, so if there were ever to be a blooper reel, what would that blooper reel look like? Because there's got to be some moments where you're like crying and screaming and then someone's like, you know, back in class, like giving a look or something. It would be lots of funny faces, a lot of jokes. You have no idea. This cast is full of jokesters, comedians. Um, so it'd be a lot of like funny little jokes, people like pulling pranks or like just like lots of funny faces and funny jokes all over the place. All oh, that's <laughs> fun. You guys sound like such a fun bunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So last question. Um, Some of us noticed in this last episode during the card draw scene, which we heard took 13 hours to film, these three girls over here on the left with their faces covered. Is there anything you can tell us about these girls? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you cannot say, we totally get it. But we thought we'd ask. um, Names? Anything? That's a great question. Um, 
I'm going to leave it alone. If that's okay. <laughs> All good. Hey, we, we thought we'd ask, you know, we um, have not noticed a lot of background actors in yeah. this season. So to see them pop up made us think, you know what, maybe one of them is Pit Girl. Um, do you know who Pit Girl is? You don't have to tell us who, but do you know? No, but I have theories. Like I like we know. Like they don't we won't know who Pit Girl is. I have a feeling they won't let us know that until right before it's time to film yeah. that. Um, but I mean I think we all have our theories. Like I think that there's a strong possibility it could be Mari. I think there's a strong possibility yeah. it could be um even Jen, maybe. Like mm-hmm. like I don't know. I don't know. But those are in my head like right now where I'm at with it. Like I think it could be those two. Yeah. But who knows? Honestly, who knows with this show, it could be someone we haven't met yet. We really don't know. I feel like it's going to be whoever gets on the director's nerves. One day they're like, you know what? You're a pit girl. How about that? You know what? I had enough of you today. Get in the pit. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, we are all very excited for the finale next week. Um, Maya told us on a scale of 1 to 10 of craziness, it's a 10. Would you agree with her? For episode the, for the finale, for the finale next mm-hmm. week, yes. yeah, 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 definitely a ten. It it's it's pretty chaotic. <laughs> All right. Well, we can't wait, and we also can't thank you enough for joining us and yeah. taking the time oh, to chat you. about Akila today. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you guys thank you so, much. so much. I really appreciated this. I had a blast talking to you guys, and that has had really great questions. So fun. Oh, thank you. Thank yes, you. Our, our friend Kelly is a, a real pro, so to her credit <laughs> for coming up with some of those. Thank you, Kelly. And yeah, uh, thanks, Mia. Um, wishing you the best in between seasons. Hope you you know get to have a lot of fun, and we can't wait to see Akila in season three. Awesome. Thank yeah. you guys so much. All right. Thanks, thank Mia. You. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was great. She was great. Um, And, you know, before we get into the recap, just really wanted to plug quickly Kelly's recent article in Salon from episode 208. Uh, Yellow Jackets gives Natalie another shot at fulfilling her purpose. BYOB at the sharing shack. (laughs) (laughs) We loved all of the content um, that, you know, you write about. You infuse such a fun humor and sarcasm into all of your work. And we just really appreciate that and look forward to your articles every week. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you to say. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, Emily, why don't you read the episode description for It Chooses? It's only going to get worse from here. Despite the whole winter's never going to end thing, the 1996 New Jersey State Girls soccer champions decide to start their spring training early with an impromptu cardio session. Callie encounters an old flame. Van proves goalies never say die. Most of the adults intentionally commune in the sharing shack. And Lottie, baby, I hear the blues are calling for tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Woo. We had some fun references in there. We kind of talked about it when we teased it, but we got a Frasier reference. We got a slight Goonies reference and a little bit of Full House reference in there. So very yeah. fun. We love these episode yeah. descriptions. Yeah. Um, so creative. We had a lot of questions answered in this episode as well, which, uh, as we mentioned last night, was kind of a tour de force of answers. Uh, one of which uh, Jeff now knows about Wilderness Baby. Mm-hmm. There is, in fact, an underground component to the wilderness. And the necklace is, in fact, a marker for the next victim, which are all things that we've kind of speculated about. So it's mm-hmm. nice to get some answers. Yeah. And um, 
Also, interesting observations, um, especially about Javi and the Queen card. We'll get more into that later. But do you guys remember in one of the recent episodes when it was in the background when someone said, Javi, where did you find the Queen of Hearts card? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So they wouldn't have even been able to do this roundabout Russian roulette had he not come back with the card. So it's yep. like he kind of sealed his own fate in a roundabout way. Absolutely. I agree. Exactly. And we also heard Shauna telling Lottie in the adult timeline, none of this was real. Um, what? Excuse me. That threw me for a loop. Um, yeah. We'll get more into that. Ty's lantern or one of the lanterns was in Javi's cave. Mm -hmm. um, Javi drowning. Does that at all mirror Misty's drowning rat situation and, and watching something drown and die? I, I thought that was maybe something. And then Adam's tattoo being graded off and yeah. was, was Walter the Marrow recipient. So we can dive into all of that. Why don't we start our recap with the um, teen timeline? Emily, why don't you kick it off? So the episode opens up to Mari and Misty helping Lottie use the bathroom. And Mar uh, Mari makes some kind of a comment. And it made me so happy that somebody finally, like stood up to her and oh no what happened you know what? probably a signal thing she'll be back um stood up to her and kind of called her out on her behavior and like called her a brat and nobody has ever really like said anything to her about her behavior and to see it be misty of all people like it gave me like a sense of satisfaction just because mari take like like puts a lot of her like negativity and that energy towards Misty. Like she's very critical of Misty, like over everybody else. So it was, it was nice to see her put in her place for once. And I also found it really interesting that when Misty was like tending to Lottie in this, in this situation that it seemed like Lottie was having like another vision almost like, yes, she was seeing flashes of like her getting beat up by Shauna, but she was also seeing flashes of like the chase scene, the drowning, the water and the drowning before it happened. Yeah. Yep. Which I found really interesting that they threw that in there. Like, was it like her kind of seeing the future or what? Um, and then after that, Akila is shown to be playing with the dead mouse. And like we said earlier, like, I think it, it was kind of done to show that, like, all their mental states are, like, really deteriorating and they're not in a good place. Like, they're starving. They're starting to imagine things. Like, like Ty sees herself in the reflection. Akila is playing with the mouse that she thinks is alive and it's really dead and Mari's envisioning blood dripping down walls like they're all seeing some crazy stuff they really are and and back to Mari really quick too you know she does use maybe sarcasm as a device for that's how she deals with her trauma right because of course yeah. they're all in this collective shared trauma situation but for me it was kind of nice seeing her having that emotional breakdown, it's like she broke down her wall a little bit and let herself mm -hmm. be vulnerable. And that was really nice to see instead of that really hard exterior, you know, yeah. we saw the soft side of Mari and I thought that was really nice. Um, it shows, you know, how deeply she's been kind of covering that trauma. And uh, it was nice to see her, you know, emotional side a little bit more. Um, it surprised Kelly, me. 
it, it me too. Uh, Kelly, we're talking about uh, Mari's emotional breakdown and how it was kind of nice to see a vulnerable side of her, you know, instead of this um, keeping up a, a wall of emotion over the trauma. Yeah, I just got sucked into the wilderness and then spit back out. So um, I talked to her there about it. Um, definitely, it's it's uh, an amazing opportunity for her because you can't have a character who's just like always the brat, you know, or like yeah. always snarky. So it was ramping up to this that she was going to have some breakdown because they're all kind of bouncing around having these. And it was so sad and almost like more effective to see it happening to her because she has been so, um, I must use the word crusty, but she's been so like <laughs> guarded this whole time snarky. Um, yeah. So she, it's just getting to her the same as everybody else. And now with this dripping in the blood, it's like, God, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Uh, I thought the dripping was going to be the underground situation. I was not expecting it to be blood dripping from the walls. No, me either. Oof. Um, and then we we see Van giving Lottie uh, or um, the leather belt uh, mm-hmm. they found in Jackie's lo- luggage or giving Mari the leather belt she found in Jackie's luggage and says maybe it could be a source of protein. Um, belt soup, you guys. I mean. Somebody told me that like they used to do that during the Great Depression. Like they would boil shoes like that were made of leather and they would eat it, which I've never heard of that before. Like, is it, could it really actually be a source of protein? (laughs) I mean, I feel like they should have taken the buckle off at least. She (laughs) threw the buckle, you know, in there along with it. And that can't be good. Yeah. No. I mean, are there toxins? I think I read somewhere on Twitter that you can't eat treated leather because of the chemicals, but I kind of also assume that they would just boil out. I mean, don't, don't things just boil out? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe yeah, not, yeah. but yeah, belt soup. I mean, things are starting to get desperate. And then we see Nat and Ben having a discussion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Natalie tells Coach Ben she saw Javi bowing to one of the symbol trees. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of prompts him to go snoop through Javi's stuff. And he finds the drawings that Javi made and takes the drawing of the tree and keeps it to himself and as we see later he like goes on a little expedition to find this tree and he ends up finding it obviously as we saw but those drawings were really interesting they were and does anybody else think that there's a slight similarity between the drawings and yep. adam's back tattoo is is that a coincidence it can't I be i mean yeah the, it, it's too similar and it, I think that they're still playing with us in terms of Adam. Do you know what I mean? Because like yeah. he's he's dead. Nothing can come of that. But they're like, or could it? Like, <laughs> look at these drawings, right? And to get so the picture true. of the of the drawing in the same episode where we hear about his tattoo being graded off, I find mm-hmm. that to be just a little bit of mirroring and TBD, I guess. But I am convinced that Walter was Adam's um, bone marrow recipient. <laughs> I'm convinced. Convinced. Yeah. I, I mean, anything could happen, but that that tracks. Yep, it sure does. Um, at this point, we see Coach Ben sharpening his knife. And what exactly is he doing with the knife sharpening? He's, like, trying to make his crutches, like, more snowproof, I guess, if you will. Sports mode. Yeah. Winterized, <laughs> maybe. Winterized. Yeah. So that he can go out on his little expedition to 
find said tree that Javi was bowing to, which in the conversation that Natalie and Ben have, like she tells him which tree it is. So he knows which tree to go to. Cause she, I think she says it was like by the Creek or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yep. And do all of the symbol trees have an underground situation? I would really like to know. Yeah. 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 Are there tunnels that are connected or is it just a cave? And like we mentioned earlier, it's it's hard to tell, but there is actually a shot of a lantern in there along with all those little rodent bones mm-hmm. and everything. So, you know, we've speculated who's Javi's friend. I wonder if it is Dark Tie and maybe she brought the lantern down there. Yeah. Do you guys That's think those are mind. rodent bones or do you think those are baby bones? <laughs> So right after the episode, I texted Emily and I was like, oh, my God, is that the baby's corpse down there? I'm thinking, did Javi sneak out, take the baby and and go down there and eat it? Um, Emily told me they're animal bones. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple that look like um, that would be like wing bones. There's like a little combed bone. And that's what threw it off to me. I was like, yeah, this is a bird. But that would be so crazy. There were a good amount of bones, though. Like, so if he really was hiding down there. Like, I really wonder how he managed to even like kill these animals, like in the first place. Right. Yeah. And it's funny that there are actual alive animals. Cause we've not seen a lot of alive and well animals in the yep. wilderness. We've seen diseased birds. We've seen some weird bear stuff. We saw that deer <laughs> in season one. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's good. He was able to find a food source. Yeah. And surprising. Yeah. So Travis is watching Nat and Javi interact, and and it's a cute little interaction. Um, Mm -hmm. She's making him some gloves. Yep. And we see a nice little moment there between them. Um, And, of course, this is probably some early foreshadowing of of what's to come. Yeah, and Travis says to her, like, you're a good person, and I'm sorry for making you ever feel otherwise, like, after he watched that interaction between Javi and Natalie, Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought that was, like, a nice moment between them. Like, Travis gets so much hate, and I know, like, we've said this, like, so much, but, like, I, I think Travis is a great character. Yeah, he's a kid. He's a teenage boy, you know, so... The fact that he's taking anyone into consideration at all, aside from himself, I feel like he's doing a great job. Absolutely. He is. And back to Misty and Lottie, um, you know, Misty's tending to her and Lottie makes her promise something. Mm-hmm. She says, promise me that if I die, like you won't let my body go to waste, basically saying like, you better eat me if I die. <laughs> Which I'm not surprised that she said that at all. It's not surprising, but it's also a testament of how hurt she actually was. I mean, she was very clearly on the brink of death, and this is now her second near-death situation. So, um, I mean, she's throwing it out there, but none of them want to lose Lottie. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what prompts the conversation where Ty says they need to find a way to stay alive. And... um, then things escalate. We did learn last night, and we knew before, too, there was a deleted scene um, that gave a little bit more context into that. We heard that Maya and Jenna each had a nice interaction in that, and it was cut, which was a super bummer. Love to see that deleted scene. Yeah. But did you guys feel it escalated fast from that conversation to them placing the stuff on the um, animal skull? Yeah. 
went from zero Definitely. to 100. The, yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. It, it, the the cut scene makes sense because um, there was no plotting. Like, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to save the people. You know, this is how we're going to do the thing with the card. It just showed them in the process of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised. And gosh, I really would like to know who these other three mysterious background people are on the left-hand side as well. Hopefully. I think it's really interesting that she wasn't able to say anything about that. <laughs> I know. I mean, I kind of figured, but you know what? Worth an ask. Worth an ask, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so they all put their items on the skull, some random things. This is perhaps where the hair on the Antler Queen robe starts evolving, perhaps part of a first step. And they start drawing the cards. Uh, Emily, tell us who draws what. Okay, Misty draws an eight of diamonds, Akila draws the seven of spades, Van draws the jack of hearts, Shauna draws the four of diamonds, Travis draws the ace of clubs, Ty draws the six of spades, Melissa draws the three of hearts, Javi draws the king of spades, and Natalie draws the queen of hearts. And I read somewhere that there was like, a reason as to why they each were given the card that they were given in the show. Like the cards that they drew, like were picked specifically for their character. So maybe like we'll find out why at some point in time. Yeah, definitely. I oh, I, I mean, I think we would all love to know. Um, and of course, you know, Shauna as the butcher steps into her role and takes the knife off of the, um, animal skull mm -hmm. and she goes to slit her neck from the back and then nat turns around and says you know you need to look me in the eye and that was that was quite a moment um kelly what were you thinking as that was happening oh you know what she might be frozen i think she is frozen. i think she's frozen okay um emily what what was your take on that um whew. ask me one more time the question sorry Oh, no, it's cool. Um, What was your take on that when Shauna was going to slit her neck? I mean, that was emotional. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really, like, telling and, like, a very nat thing to do, like, to turn around and tell her, like, you're going to have to look me in the eye if you want to do this to me. I, like, that was just very nat. And... I think she knew that that would make it a lot harder for Shauna. And I think she was also thinking like, how the fuck did we even end up in this situation? Like, mm -hmm. because this is just bananas crazy. It is. And, and I just like to, oh, sorry, Kelly. I just like to point out the look on Van's face, like oh throughout God. this whole thing is 100% savage. Yeah. Chilling with, with the um, knife to the throat, uh, of Nat in the cabin. I, what a mess. You would think that they would have taken that outside. You know what I mean? They were just going to do it right there in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Really so good true. point. I mean, that's a big mess to clean up. Yeah. There's a lot of blood that comes out of the, out of oh, the neck yeah. when yeah. it yeah. gets slit. Eek. And then the necklace, of course. I mean, I think we've all been speculating that that necklace was serving as a marker for the next victim. And that was now confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What an interesting evolution of this hunting process. And I didn't think we'd see this so soon. Did you guys expect in season two that we'd start seeing that? No, it doesn't. No. 
I don't want to discredit the writers at all because, you know, everything that they do is intentional and has a plan, but for them to already be hunting each other doesn't feel entirely earned just yet, you know, to take that jump. Like obviously there's still, you know, mice to be eaten in these (laughs) newly discovered uh, caverns, but I think it's just for the like uptick in savagery that they had to do that to show like, you know, there's no coming back from this. These girls are like full on feral now. Yeah, absolutely. And did you each expect for Travis to step in in such a manner to protect Nat and help her run? I didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm, like, not surprised that he did it. Like, because him and Natalie, like, they obviously have this bond. And I think that, like, they were all committed to it. But at the same time, like, when it came down to, like, actually doing it and killing somebody, like... Clearly, there were some of them that, like, were not okay with it because he stepped in and he interfered and tried to stop it from happening. And like Nia said, like, Aquila was not okay with them doing this at all. Like, I think that it was more of, like, the mentality, like, I can't go against the group or I'm going to get eaten. And Travis was the only one to go against the group and risk that, like... Mm-hmm. For Natalie, I don't know if he would have done that for anybody else. Yeah, and he'd just seen her being so sweet to his brother, making those gloves. And did you guys notice? I don't know if this happened when I was glitching out. If you guys cover this, but right before Travis goes over to talk to Natalie when she's talking to Javi and making those gloves, he's kind of like it almost seems like he's on something, but maybe mm-hmm. he's just so starved he's on the point of like passing out. But there was kind of like a haziness. Yeah, like he wasn't believing what he was seeing as he walked over or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Definitely that definite that. deterioration with all of their mental states. I mean, again, oh, yeah. like Van said, it's the hunger and it's it's really all getting to them. And I also liked how there was a little bit of mirroring from that in Doom Coming, where they had the mm-hmm. knife at Travis's throat and you know, the apple in his mouth and catching the stag and everything. So I think um Doom Coming was a little bit of a predecessor to this initial hunt situation. So I yep. thought that was interesting as well. Um, so Javi, uh, I mean, how sweet of it was him, uh, was it of him to approach Nat and try to save her? I mean, that moment earlier definitely kind of led to that decision and chaos ensues. And he says, you can trust me. Like, oh, that like killed me. So sad. And he was gone. He was safe. He yep. was, you know, taking care of himself, and then they ripped him back into this chaos, and he died. It's so yeah. sad. It's so sad. He didn't have to do that for Nat, yeah. but I mean, that was the first time we've really heard heard him speak, aside from um, mentioning his friend earlier to Coach Ben. So, mm-hmm. you know, for this to be his first like real meaningful dialogue, and then it it leads to his death is. So sad. And and also the lake not being totally frozen. Does that mean spring is around the corner? Mm, right. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, the moose fell through too. So, you know, but it looked like it was kind of more like frozen in there. But I would I just would expect in Canada for the lake to be completely frozen if they're still in the depths of winter. Yeah. They were like chipping away at the ice to try to get the moose out to pull it out. And with Javi, like, he was walking and the ice just, like, broke beneath his feet. 
So it's definitely a different scenario. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe spring is coming. I don't know. I mean, I know it stays cold for a lot longer in Canada because they're so far north. But the weather has to be somewhat warm if the water is, like, not freezing anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. And um, so he goes under the ice. Uh, Natalie, of course, rushes in to attempt to help him. And the others are basically just watching him. And um, what does Misty do? Misty, like, pulls Natalie away from, like, trying to help him. And she says, if you do this, the others will get you. Like, so she kind of, like, saves Natalie in a sense. Because if Natalie would have saved Javi, Natalie would have ended up dead. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love the behind-the-scenes photos from this, yeah. just how dark and ominous they are. Um, it just really speaks to the insane darkness of this scene. Yeah. It was so sad. We, of course, got to speak with Luciano um, earlier in the season, and I pulled a clip here. Let's just watch that really quick. Will we find out more about why Javi was so scared and didn't seem to recognize Travis after Van and Ty found him? I think a lot of it comes with the trauma. You know, like yeah. I said, he he probably has seen some stuff and he probably doesn't want to be around a group of cannibals, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want to be around a group of cannibals either. No, probably not fun. <laughs> yeah. So I think he's just really scared because he hasn't been around them for months. He mm-hmm. knows they're bad people. Well, not inherently bad people, but they have to do what they have to do. But Javi's a kid still, you know, in his eyes, yeah. he sees something bad and he's like, they're bad. Right. Yeah. And he's just scared and he probably thinks of, of them like monsters. You know, you don't see a person as a person when you see that they do something bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. He yep. probably sees them as, as monsters. My my brother, Travis, he. Oh, uh, what can I say? Um, I don't want to spoil anything. So I'll just say that he sees them as monsters for now. Yes, monsters indeed. And of course, this is all due to the trauma that they've all underwent. They are not these people. They were not these people before the crash. And of course, they're just doing what they have to do in order to survive. And watching Javi go under that ice, watching them let him die and then pulling him out so they could save his body. I mean, it was hard to watch. Yeah. What a powerful scene. And like you just pointed out, like, Van was so savage in that scene, too. Like, she, like, just comes up and she's like, the wilderness chose. Like, so, like, this is, like, it's not a game anymore. Like, people are dying, like, and they're dying because of things that other people did. Like, this wasn't, like, Javi slept outside overnight and froze to death. This was, like... He was actively being chased, even though he wasn't the one being chased. Like, he was being chased, and it ended up with him dying. Yeah. It sure did. Luciano was so good in our interview about not spoiling anything. So credit to him for that. And we learned last night from Maya and Jenna, his mom threw a funeral party for him (laughs) after his last scene, which is so cute. I imagine the cast is is all going to miss Luciano. Um, I know I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of hoping he'd make it out of the wilderness, but yeah, mm, not so much. Not so much. So that's the team timeline. There was a lot of stuff happening. Again, a lot of answers. Um, and 
I'm interested to see next week where it picks up and yeah. are we, are we going to lose somebody else? Or I would imagine Javi's body and his potential high calorie butt meat, maybe, <laughs> maybe enough to sustain them for long enough before they have to do another hunt again. So I'm betting maybe no one in the teen timeline dies, but yeah. I'm kind of thinking someone in the adult timeline might based on everything we've heard. They have to like, like divvy up his body too, like as bad as that sounds, but like they ate Jackie in like one sitting. To so way too fast. Yeah. They just do that if they yeah. want to survive. Like they have to ration. The thing that's so gross about how they've been handling the body so far, like especially with Jackie, they never showed her being cleaned, like her guts taken out and stuff. So they're eating like poop. And like bile, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's why you need to like dress an animal. And Ben hasn't eaten anything yet. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's it's presumed that he's going to pass up on Javi as well. And then I can't really see Travis eating his own brother. So yeah. like just, yeah, that's how that's going to play out. The, the dipping up of Javi is going to be so sad and gross. Yeah. Very curious to see if Ben and Travis partake because yeah. I can't imagine eating a family member. That's yeah. difficult. I mean, how much longer can Ben survive without eating? Like it's been so long, like since they've shown him consume anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he can climb out of that cave, right? So maybe he yeah. ends up just kind of staying down there until someone discovers him. Not Javi. Uh, you know, maybe Nat. Nat now knows, like, okay, Javi was out there bowing to the tree. Maybe she'll stumble upon him. Maybe there are some bats and rats and mice and rabbits accessible there. I mean, there were bones there. So maybe he can find a food source that's not human. Yeah. yeah. TBD, I suppose. So moving on to the adult timeline, Kelly, why don't you kick us off for the first thing we see there? Sure. Um, so Shauna informs the other women that Jeff had called her to let her know of the police's discovery of Adam's body. Van begins asking Ty a lot of questions about what's going on with Adam. And Ty attempts to brush off, brush her off, but Van knows that they're lying and hiding something. Yeah, Van is, like, really clued in, and it goes to show that even though there's been, like, a lot of time that's passed since Ty and Van have been together, like, they still know each other. Yeah. Because she's still able to pick up on the fact that Ty is lying after all this time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she tosses Shauna's car keys, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> kind of keeps her there. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, same, same. Um, and then, so the four of them then start, um, you know, sharing in the sharing shack. And they start really pressing Shauna and figuring out something is not as it seems. Um, Emily, why don't you walk us through the evolution of that conversation and how they finally figure out that Adam probably was not the blackmailer? Well, they... They, like, start questioning Shauna and asking her, like, why Jeff was calling her in the first place to tell her about Adam Martin. Like, how would he know anything about Adam? And she, like, tries to brush him off, but she eventually admits to them that, like, she told Jeff everything because she was scared. Oh, sorry. I got to put my computer in. She was scared. And um, she wanted somebody on her side. And I don't feel like they should fault her for telling Jeff. Like, that's her husband. 
I agree. I agree. And I mean, I guess the deception portion comes in because she convinced them that, you know, Adam was a blackmailer and they're able to use their citizen detective skills to figure out that it was in fact Jeff. And speaking of Jeff, the police show up at the Sadeki house and Mm -hmm. some shit goes down. Yeah, that was all really interesting part of the show like between Syracuse being in Callie's room like and going through her belongings and her kind of like heckling him throughout it and he said one line I didn't like write it down but he said one line where he was like well I think the jury would see that the psychopathic apple doesn't fall far from the fucked up tree yes (laughs) oh I love that I love that so like he's very much like on to Shauna and like he's figured it out like whether Kevin thinks that he is wrong or right like he's on the money like he has Shauna figured out like so it'll be really curious like I'm really curious to see how she's gonna get out of this like does Walter lure Saracusa to Lottie's compound and kill him like and they cover it up like I hope so I I love when the cops showed up at the Sadeckis, um, he made such a big show of being like, all right, boys, let's get to tossing. Yeah. Tossing where? They did nothing. He looked literally in like some like jeans drawers and that's it. He like couldn't wait to show the crime scene footage to, or, you know, photos to Jeff. Yeah. But they probably could have found quite a lot in that house if they would have actually gone in and investigated. Like I'm sure those journals, she burnt some of them, but there are others, you know, that she yeah. didn't, and God knows what else. So, mm-hmm. I was yeah. thinking that too. They did yeah. not do a super thorough job. He did a more thorough job in the hotel room, I feel like, with yes. the condom sniffing investigating situation. <laughs> so, you know, that was interesting. But something that was fascinating to me was him telling Jeff about the special skills that Shauna had. And, you know, I wrote it, down that quote if you want me to read it. Yes, please do. Okay. So, He says, decomp really started to set in, but not so bad we couldn't tell how cleanly he was dismembered. See here, those marks on the bone were created by a serrated blade. With the separation of limbs was precise, surgical almost. Very hard to achieve with an electric kitchen knife. And then Jeff says, well, there you go, guys. There's no way Shauna could have done this. She's no doctor. And Saracusa says, she does have certain survival skills that would lend themselves to a situation like this. And the conversation continues from that point, but, like, he says something that made me wonder, like, what the general public actually knows about what happened to them out there, because he's implying that Shauna knows how to cut up a body. Yeah. Like, then they have to know something. (laughs) I wondered that, too, like, with... um... Ty's uh, opponent, that that smear campaign video that they made with her, like, ripping into barbecue. So there's the implication that people know about the cannibalism. But, like, that's so crazy to me that then these people are just out there living their lives. Like, oh, there's Shauna at Walmart again. Totally. (laughs) You know, like, how do they even have any type of normal lives at all if it is, in fact, you know, a well-known thing? Yeah. And wouldn't Jackie's parents assume that they ate her too? I I mean, that's another thing. They welcome her every year for the annual brunch and I guess they're cool with it or maybe they just didn't buy into all the cannibalism rumors. I don't know, but yeah, that's a good point. 
So interesting. And, you know, while we're on the Sudeke house, um, Jeff and Callie have mm. a heart to heart. And we find out that Jeff, in fact, does know about Wilderness Baby. And he shares that with Callie, which I, I think helps Callie maybe understand and have a little bit more empathy for her mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm wondering how that will impact their relationship moving forward, too. Um that's fascinating. And speaking of the Sadeki house, once again, we have Jeff having a dream where Shauna comes home from the wellness retreat and, you know, says she wants to be with him. And turns out she's Shauna Scissorhands, Shauna Kitchen Knife Hands. <laughs> like I, it was just Edward Scissorhands was in my head the whole entire time that was happening. She stabs him and then her hands are actually electric kitchen knives and Jeff's, you know, dreaming that she's doing this. And she's like, what? You don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> it was so gross how they showed the stumps, like her little yeah. like dainty stumps with the electric knives yeah. coming out. The attention to detail growth. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny. And Melanie Linsky nailed it as usual with, with her kind of comedic, uh, infusing there. So I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was funny. I was really glad that, um, the scene where they showed the blood splatter on the picture was from that dream and not from something like that actually happened to Jeff in real life. Because I know like some people were saying like, what if Jeff dies and I'm not ready for that to happen? Oh my God. No, we cannot lose Jeff. (laughs) We cannot lose Jeff. I love Warren Cole. (laughs) I love Warren Cole. So Back to the uh, sharing shack situation, Nat starts asking Shauna, you know, why she'd share her secrets. And then they kind of evolve the conversation a little bit about Van and Ty finding each other. Shauna wanted to know. And then Misty drops a bomb about Jessica Roberts. Mm-hmm. She lets everybody know that Ty ha- hired her to look into all of them because of her campaign. And they were all rightfully so really upset. Like Shauna's like, why would you do that? Like, you know what she could find on us. Like, why would you ever pay someone to pry into our lives knowing what we've d- done? And she's like, you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cause you're poor. I thought that was really low. Shauna's like, Jesus. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that was kind of a low blow a little bit. Um, and then we also learn about Misty and Walter's FBI situation, um, which I, I thought was interesting because that's kind of how they ended up figuring out that Jeff was the blackmailer because mm-hmm. Randy was hiding something. So, you know, Misty's yep. Misty's doing all kinds of stuff and um, between killing Jessica Roberts and the FBI thing. And there's a lot of sharing going on in that yeah. sharing shack. Yeah. And Natalie, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, no. I was just going to, how Misty referred to it as having done all that for the good of the group. And the other girls kind of look at her like, you're not, this isn't a group. Like, and if it is, you wouldn't be in it still. (laughs) Yes. And Van said something like, Misty, you're nothing if not proactive. And I thought that was a funny comment. And she's right. You know, Misty is proactive. She is also a closer, as um, was mentioned. So, yeah. Yes. He most definitely is a closer for sure. A hundred percent. So Natalie then starts asking Shauna if Jeff's the one who sent the postcards and blackmailing them. Um, so, yes, we know that Jeff sent the text, but do you guys think that he actually sent the postcards too? No. I don't think so either. Yeah. I, I, I still think Misty is like behind something more than we know, that she's like 
because it's been a theme of hers to put herself in a place of having to be needed, you know, having to be useful. Yeah. So either she did or, or something along those lines, but I don't think it was Jeff. He He's not that quick witted. No, <laughs> no, I think the exact same. Like that, I feel like the postcards were a little bit more sophisticated than Jeff is capable of being. Yeah. The text messages were very amateurish. Like the, creating the shim- the symbol with the shapes of like all the different right. characters that you could use like on your phone. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty impressed by that, I've got to say, cuz I'm thinking I don't know <laughs> if a I, long time. I mean it did. I don't I don't know if I have the patience to sit there and create like a text symbol, but good for no. them for their attention to detail with the blackmail. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, we see Walter again. Kelly, why don't you walk us through the Walter scene? <laughs> I love this. So he's in a amazing, almost like Frank Lloyd Wright mansion, you know, facing out. Yeah. At first I thought it was like a darkened pool, but then I think it was just like a rain slicked cement outside. And he's putting together two puzzles at the same time. <laughs> one is of a ship and one is of a, a little kitty astronaut. <laughs> and I noticed because I like zoomed in in a crazy way. Uh, there's a file folder on his laptop that says completed puzzles. So like he he takes pictures of these when he's done and saves them. Oh my god, I, I didn't it. notice that. I didn't, I didn't notice that either. That. So he's sitting there doing his puzzles and he's listening to uh Barbara Streisand doing her solo version of a song from Sweeney Todd, which you know, call back yeah. makes so much sense, and then mm-hmm. gets the notifications from the uh citizens detective board that you know Adam's body had been found. And then this is kind of like I think a red herring twist or not red herring, but you know, uh, they're trying to lead us to think one thing and I think something else will actually happen. But he fires off an email to the police saying that mm-hmm. he has information and then kind of hops to gathering his man satchel in his purple <laughs> coat. Um, so then the question is, is he ratting out Misty or is he actually going to go, you know, and help her? And I think he is going to help her. I don't yeah. think that he is actually ratting her out in that instance. Right. Like Vine is saying, the music playing in the background made me think of how we wanted to protect Misty and wants uh, wants her to go get out of this situation. And I'm intrigued at the scenes for next week where we yes. see Walter and Jeff collaborating on getting rid of a body. Yeah. Whose body is it? I don't think it's one of the yellow jackets because I feel like Jeff would be freaking out more, especially if it was like, I mean, it's probably not Shauna. Like I've got my money on Nat, but I think it's got to be like a a person that they're not familiar with um, because Jeff didn't seem emotional. Or it's Sarah Kusa. Right? Maybe he follows them there. I mean, Jeff told them where where Shauna was. Yeah. Or what if he stole Adam's body parts? And is going to ditch them because, you know, in uh, police cases, often they say that, like, if there's no body, there's no case. Yeah. <gasps> so what if he steals that body and then is like, oh, my it. gosh. But who knows? <laughs> uh, who does know? And I mean, we all thought, you know, Walter had a one season arc. And yeah. this fascinates me because we know there's one dead body in, in next week. Are we going to have multiples? What are the actual odds of Walter dying and also this other person? Yeah, I think based on, well, it's so funny because I started out thinking like, you know, immediate stink eye for Walter. I thought that he was up to no good. I thought that he was going to like slap Misty in that scene with a slap and she was going to kill him. And then like any other number of thing I thought, but then um, the shot 
that we see coming up where there's like the police lights and he's hugging Miss Dean. I, if I had to guess just based on like nothing, I think that maybe he gets taken away by the police, you know, in an effort to, to take the rap for, for Misty or some such thing. Um, Even though it should be Shauna getting taken away and uh, that, that that will be the last time we see him. Like he goes to prison or something like that, but there's so much more that could have been done with him. I kind of hope that they do bring him back because he's such a character. He's just such a little kooky guy. What a great addition to the cast. I love the dynamic between him and Misty. And I love that Misty's now calling him her boyfriend. I think that's so cute. After she got that clarity in the sensory deprivation tank and had that dream about him, I think it it finally hit her. You know what? Like, I, I deserve somebody. And yeah. so her calling yeah. him her boyfriend, I think, was was big for Misty. Yeah. Yep. She, she's not one to have close connections. and. Yeah. Um, back to the sharing shack, uh, Shauna, you know, admits to the group that she didn't tell them the truth about Jeff because she was afraid someone would hurt Jeff and said, you know, if the tables were turned, she probably would have killed who, whomever attempted to blackmail them much like Misty did with Jessica Roberts. So, I mean, I can, I can see the rationale there. Yeah. Yeah. She's Shauna said something interesting that maybe you guys would have more clarity on than I did. She made mention of having almost killed two random people. So the one was the guy in the chop shop. Who was the other random person that she almost killed? Because she said I two. I took that as the guy that like carjacked them. That was the only other instance the that first, I could think of. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because yeah. I was like, are we going to be shown some other time where she had like a freak out somewhere? I love her freak outs. So. Oh, the more the merrier. Same. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of a body count for Shauna and Misty or even Ty in her dark state. I mean, who knows? Right. Yeah. For sure, Ty in her dark state. Yeah. I mean, and also, can we just revisit the fact uh, Rescue Dog Day was like last weekend or something? Uh-huh. Where is Steve? <laughs> who is with Simone? And who is taking care of Sammy? I know not a lot of time has actually passed, but. Yeah. These are questions that hopefully we get answers to. We've not seen the state of Simone in, in a few episodes now. Yeah, and I want to know what's going on with her, especially after Ty drew the symbol on her hand. Right. Like, what what was that about? Yeah. <sighs> I'm really worried about Steve. I, I brought that up in my recap. Um, because like the the end, the finale of season one ended dead dog. What if they did that same again? They're like, it worked so well the first time. It's oh, just like, no. my God. No, save Steve. Save Steve, please. Oh my God. Uh, so Lottie, of course, we know has been unraveling. We, we found out that her therapist was not actually there. I love that they also did not tell Simone Kessel that while she was filming that she found out you know kind of as it was happening as well we know that she saw the antler queen we heard her voice talking about is there even a hunt is what was it is the the hunt without does a hunt without violence feed anyone feed anyone right so i think that was some foreshadowing for what is to come because lottie now makes the suggestion to all the adult women that they give the wilderness what it wants and sacrifice one of themselves to save the rest and she presents them with a tray of drinks and what's going on with the drinks (laughs) she just like out of nowhere is like so one of these cups has a phenobarbital <laughs> solution in it, and 
if one of us drinks it, like it's a painless way to die. Like, and Misty cracked me up in that scene because like, <laughs> as soon as Lottie's done explaining, she's like, that's also what the Heaven's Gate people used. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't they just run out of there? Like picture you're sitting somewhere called the literal sharing shack. And then <laughs> yeah. some like beautiful woman comes and says like, let's all kill ourselves. Or, you know, like, let's like drink poison. I would be so out of there. I'd be fleeing through the woods. They're like, Let's think, let's hear her out. Let's think about this. Yeah, that's such a good point. They all listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she kind of gave them an out earlier and said, hey, you guys should leave. You guys should go home. And <laughs> none of them listened. And I think that might have been a misstep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. 100. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yes. And, you know, the thing that really struck me was that comment that Lottie had made to Shauna about, or Shauna made to Lottie about none of that was real. Mm -hmm. For each of you, what did you make of that? What was your interpretation? For me, that's the number one mystery. Because starting out, again, like there's so much back and forth, just speaks to, you know, the incredible writing of the show. But I was very sternly like team practical. Like, you know, this is a perfect time for me to justify myself in my bear theory. So... (laughs) With the rump shaker, Lottie kills the bear. I did not think that Javi was a bear, but they've hallucinated so many other things that I was like, here he comes crawling back, you know, to the camp and they see, you know, the bear. But stuff like that, where you can explain it away, they're hungry, they're, you know, they haven't slept. But now I'm like, something is going on there, you know, beyond that. Because there's the glitches in the timeline, glitches back and forth, yeah. things that they're mm-hmm. seeing or that we're being led to kind of walk along with them. But then you have to factor in unreliable narrators yep. and even the characters calling each other out, circling back to, you know, your point of Shauna being like, none of that happened. So they're, you know, coming back with all that trauma and they're remembering things and telling each other stories. And they're like, that's not even what happened. Yeah. So what did happen? I mean, I, I I mean, what's reality and what's not? And the showrunners have said there's a lot of things this season, you know, we were going to see that were not real. We've seen a lot of hallucinations. I oh, mean, yeah. Rabies Girl was one of them. We, you know, we talked with Maya Lowe about that last night. But what else could be a hallucination? I mean, is The Hunt a hallucination? I... No, I don't think so. I mean, there was not any real differential camera work there. Whereas with some of the hallucinations, we see a slightly different, um, you know, maybe filter or or glitch. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm dying to know what that comment meant. That was yeah. significant to me. I kind of took it as like her, like Shauna was saying that like this entity that you like created in your head out in the right. wilderness, like isn't real. Right. Like we went through some really messed up stuff and it was really traumatic, but there was no like outside force messing with us. Like you think there was. Yeah. That's kind of how I took it. Mm-hmm. And we had heard Lottie say before um, to her therapist that she was worried that she was never sick Yeah, and, and legitimately thinking that this was reality for her. And I'm wondering, based on the clues for next week's season finale storytelling, we have a gun, a straitjacket, and a couple of masks. Could the straitjacket mean that Lottie ends up getting committed again? Or do we think that maybe somebody else does? Is Does Nat try suicide again and she's put on a 72-hour hold? What do we think about these clues for next week? 
Mm-hmm. Unless they like go back in time again and they show us like when Lottie was, I guess they already showed us that though. Like when Lottie yeah. was first put into the mental institution. So that wouldn't really fit. And she's been out for decades now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone calls Mr. Matthews and is like, come get your kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I saw something or was it on Reddit where, um, and the, the new message on Lottie's hotline uh, makes mention of it as well. Something about a match. There's the theory mm-hmm. that the, uh, the wellness community, um, intentional community, gets burnt down in the finale. Okay. But that would kind of be like, that seems so extra because it's already so ramped up and there's already so much, on, you know, on the line. I don't think yeah. of Blazing Inferno, but that would be a cool way to, to send everybody out. <laughs> it definitely would. And, you know, we've heard that the finale is definitely going to be really crazy. Um, Emily, what are some of the scenes we saw in the preview for next week? So it starts off with Misty, like, tending to Lonnie, and uh, she says to Lonnie, you started this, so you better not start making people feel bad about it now, implying that, like, Lottie kind of started this whole, like, let's hunt each other for sport thing, like, encourage that behavior, and Lottie looks, like, scared, like, Mm -hmm. she looks upset, And I thought she would be the one to, like, spearhead that happening. So to have her not be involved at all was, like, a really big shock to me because I expected her to be the one, like, telling them what to do. So for her to not be involved at all just, like, really threw me for a loop. Like, big time. And then we see, obviously, we see Travis, and it looks like he is – uh, like kneeling over Javi's body. Like, so he discovers oh. what happens to Javi. And I really can't wait to see that play out. I'm really interested to see how they frame that to him, like, big time. Definitely. And hey, really quick, Phoenix, thank you for that picture of the clue. It's nice you're on the mailing list now. Love to see that. Yeah. Um, your sacrifice to the wilderness worked. And <laughs> um, yeah, now, question. Um, Oh, actually, let's finish the um, finish the thing, and then I have a question. We see Walter and Jeff in the looks like the kitchen of the compound, and Walter asks Jeff for his help with a body. Like he says, "Will you help me move this body?" So <laughs> there's clearly a person there that they're trying to dispose of and get rid of. <laughs> Dying to see who that is. I am. I have high hopes for Walter and Jeff together as a duo. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's going like to be really funny. It is going to be funny. Um, I'm dying to know who the body is, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then we hear you can submit or you can run. Mm-hmm. And that's like a we see a shot of the adults with wearing masks, like the masks that. Van and tire scene and kind of reminded me of the mask that they wore in Dune Coming. And the other adult women are also seen wearing masks. So masks, I think that's where the clue comes into play anyways mm-hmm. with the masks. Now, Alexandra mm-hmm. saying they look like they're in a large industrial kitchen or wait for it, a morgue. So Kinda. are they at the compound or are they somewhere else? I assumed it was at the compound. I did not even yeah, think of a morgue. How yeah. would they get in there? Walter's wearing purple in the picture or in the 
in the shot too, mm-hmm. which is why I assume they were at Lonnie's because he's wearing purple. Right. Yeah. Michelle says it's definitely the compound kitchen. Yeah. Oof. I mean, can you guys believe the finale is already here? Has the last, mm-hmm. you know, 10 weeks just absolutely flown by? Yeah. I yeah. can't believe it's over. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get that bonus episode or no? That was my next question. I yeah. was going to ask you guys. <laughs> my theory is we're going to get a standalone episode of the Cabin Daddy slash Granddaddy backstory. Yeah. We know Jason Ritter filmed for season two. We know he did not film with Melanie. And we saw the photos behind the scenes of him yeah. with a baby wearing the coat out in the wilderness. Yeah. And we haven't seen any of that yet. I think it would be difficult to just do random flashbacks. I think that Mm -hmm. story needs more time to be told. So I am putting on my bingo card. It will be a bonus episode on Cabin Daddy. And you know what? Maybe it will be around Father's Day. Yeah, that would be so cool. Because I I mean, there's so much that they could say about Cabin Daddy, like the plane landing, like how it came to be that he was there. And like, you know, did he murder his whole family there? And that's why the blood was dripping from the walls and mm. just all of it. I can't wait, but that'll be such a fun treat if that actually happens. I can't see Ashley Lyle bringing it up like on a public forum. Right? Like if there's no truth to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have high hopes that there will be one. I don't know when we'll get it because as the citizen detectives in this community have seen that, uh, for the week of June 4th, Showtime has another show in the 9 p.m. slot for Sunday nights. So, like, there is no bonus episode after episode 9, like, mm-hmm. premiering on TV. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm but- really curious as to when we'll get it if we get one. Yeah. And they're keeping close wraps on it. Like Michelle said, we know those pictures got yanked off of Instagram by the twins' accounts. So, of course, the baby is played by a set of twins, which is typical in production. So that way, infants aren't subjected to these long filming times. They can switch them out. So um, yeah. those photos disappeared, similar to when we saw um, a, a human Caligula's photos mm-hmm. pop up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. The team at Showtime is very good about trying to prevent these spoilers. So, yeah. you know, props to them for being so on top of it. But... I want a bonus episode. Yeah. 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 To, to that point, there are no, because normally there's like a, a press uh, login site where we go to pull photos for each episode and they haven't even put up photos yet for the finale, um, mm. which they would have been up days ago. So they're really holding on to that, which leads me to leave something totally crazy happens. Yeah. God. I just can't. Right. Oh, and, uh, you know, just random, the cast was at the Emmys for your consideration event this week. Um, we are really hoping that Yellow Jackets earn some Emmys this season. We expect some nominations. Yeah. Of course, they were nominated for seven Emmys for season one. They did not win any, which I think was robbery, especially mm-hmm. in the casting area. But um, Sophie Nelise Emmy season, everybody's been buzzing about it. Um, what do you ladies think? Who is on your list to win an Emmy this season? Definitely Sophie. And I still want Melanie yeah. to get one. She puts so much in and she's, you know, the main character of the show. She's kind of like the heart and the darkness of the show. Um, yeah. I, and I just want her to win. I want to see her cry and like, you know, thank everyone from the stage. She deserves to have that moment. Oh, it's going to be a tough year too because we have house of the dragon factoring into that Uh and then we also have the crown which Mm -hmm. is another big one and succession Succession. yes that was what i was just gonna say succession like sarah snook is 
has been predicted to win mm-hmm. for the lead actress category for a lot of a lot of magazines are like doing their reviews and they're saying that they think she's gonna win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll so. see. Fingers crossed for all of our yellow jackets. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So before we go, just some quick business. Uh, we'd like to plug our Coed Naked shirts, um, Coed Naked podcasting, catch a vibe in the hive. You can actually purchase yours at coednaked.com using code HIVE20. You can save 20% site-wide on anything that you would like to purchase, including our shirt or the Coet Naked Soccer one, similar to the one Van wore, or any of the others. Um, they've got a great selection of really fun stuff. And I also just wanted to shout out our new patrons. Um, we've got Malika, Lisa, Andy, Bluth Banana, Michelle, Heather, Danielle, Tara, Kim, Jillian, Nicole, Alyssa, and Jessica. Um, we cannot thank you enough for buzzing into the hive. We appreciate all of your support and all of you for consuming our content. Um, we would especially like to thank you, Kelly, for being here today. Um, and again, if you have not already, she is Wolfie Vibes on Twitter, and this is her most recent Yellow Jackets article in Salon. Um, Kelly, you've got so many good ones out there. We encourage yeah. you all to check out all of your content on Salon and give you a follow on Twitter. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Sorry for the internet. Um, you know, it doesn't happen at all. And then once you desperately don't want it to happen, it's going to happen. So that was a fun little treat. Um, You know, and I have to say, I have had other uh, podcast experiences, not many, but uh, this was definitely the smoothest apart from me and my, you know, internet issues. Um, So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Phoenix says Kelly M is amazing. You sure are. We cannot thank you enough for this. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd love that. Awesome. That would be fantastic. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll be back next week. We will be doing our Hive After Dark episode. Um, Cast interview TBD. We're not sure yet. We haven't confirmed, but we've got some things in the works. So fingers crossed. Um, Either way, though, it's going to be a ton of fun. And then, of course, we'll do our finale recap as well. So thank you all for joining us. And uh, let's all prepare ourselves for next week. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm. I like know after it's over, I'm gonna go through like a period where I'm gonna be like sad because there's no more yellow jackets. Yeah. Post season two depression. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes, and of course, you know, with the writer strike, we fully support uh, WGA. We stand with them, and um, no matter how long it takes, we've heard the cast is very committed, and the writers, everybody is committed to season three. So no matter when it happens, even if it takes a little longer fine. It's very important that the writers get the the credit, the pay, and and Mm. all of the stuff that they're due. So WGA strong. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) All right. And until we spill again.